John 4, 1 through 10. Now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee, and he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Thanks, Beth. Beth's visiting us from Long Beach State on spring break. Woohoo! We're in the midst of a, a series titled Engaging, Engaging Your World. We're going through the Gospels, and then we're going to go through the book of Acts, and look at the stories of engagement. Passages where we find someone engaging someone else, There's a relationship, an engaging relationship, engaging them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the purpose of this series is that as we examine these biblical encounters, we'll be empowered, we'll be encouraged, we'll be equipped to engage our world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I pray that you're seeking God And God is leading you into engaging your world. This is our 13th week in this study. But I have a confession to make. See a theme here this morning? As the the preacher, the, the pastor, the communicator of these truths, I just don't want you guys to get the impression that this stuff comes easy to me. In fact, I would say that one of the things I struggle most with in my Christian walk is sharing my faith. Not, not from here, but on that individual, one-on-one basis. And so I want you to know that I understand that for many of us, this isn't easy stuff. As we call people to, to witness, as we call people to share their faith, share their testimony. It's not, it doesn't come easy, it's difficult, it doesn't come naturally. But having said that, I also want you to know that sharing your faith... Myself, I found that sharing my faith has brought to my life the most joy and fulfillment I could ever experience. I have experienced no greater fulfillment and joy as when I'm telling people the good news of Jesus Christ. And I think God has designed it that way. And I want you, I want each of us here to be able to experience that. Experience the joy that comes in sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. This joy comes when you yield to the Holy Spirit. Remember, we spent five weeks with the Holy Spirit, who's the empowerer and the convictor as we move out to engage our world. When we focus not on our fears, but when we focus on the needs of others, and when we remember the power that God gives us through His Holy Spirit. And even though I struggle, God has over my 37 years 
of being a Christian. Yes, I am old. I wasn't born a Christian, so I'm more than 37 years old. He's given me many opportunities, many opportunities to share my faith with many different kinds of people. I've shared with high school students, with college students. I've done door-to-door evangelism, knocking on doors. I've shared with men, women, with children. I've also had the opportunity to share the gospel in different cultures. I've shared with Japanese people, with Thai people, with Jamaicans, with Haitians, Mexicans, and others. I've had the opportunity to share with people from different religious backgrounds, Buddhists and Muslims and atheists and Catholics and even some Protestants. And in all this experience, there are two things that stand out to me. Two things I've learned about people. And I think these will will help us. These might seem contradictory at first, but, but they're not. First, I've learned the importance of sharing the gospel in different ways with different kinds of people. You don't use the same words, the same illustrations, you don't say the same things to an American atheist as you do a Thai Buddhist. That just makes sense, doesn't it? Maybe the atheist needs to first see that there's a possibility, needs to break through that there's a a possibility that God even exists, whereas the Thai Buddhist has, has many ideas about spiritual things but needs to understand more about who God really is, who the true God really is. So first... We need to understand who we're talking to when we share the gospel with someone. The second thing I've learned, and this is best stated in a line from a song from from Brian Duncan. How many of you guys know Brian Duncan? The local guy. Last week I went with a Bono quote. This week we get Brian Duncan. The song is titled, Don't don't Judge the Song by the Title, Don't You Want to Rap? Because I don't want to rap. Let me just say that. He sings or he raps about the places he's been all all around the world. And then he says this very powerful line. The heart is the same, it's just a different face. The heart is the same, it's just a different face. He says it a number of times, I'll, I'll stop there. And I've just found this to be true. I found this to be true. Sharing with, with, with American people growing up very much the same as I did... Maybe, maybe men, the same age as me, the same culture as me. And then sharing with a, a Thai Buddhist young woman. But eventually it comes down to the same thing. At the heart, we're the same. We are all people created in the image of God. We all, become, we all begin life as, as fallen creatures. Sinful, in need. And at the heart of it all, we need the same things. What we need is reconciliation with God. We need that relationship with God. We need to hear of God's love and the salvation He has provided through His Son, Jesus Christ. This is the universal message that man, that humanity needs to hear. This is the gospel. But it's communicated in different ways, in different situations, in different kinds of people. We see this today clearly demonstrated by Jesus. Now for the last couple weeks... We were looking at Jesus' encounter with a, a guy named Nicodemus. You guys remember Nicodemus? Remember Jesus said to Nicodemus, you're the teacher of the law. You're a scholar. You know the, the Hebrew scriptures, the Old Testament to us. 
He says, why don't you get these things? I'm telling you spiritual truths that you should understand. And Jesus used two examples from the Old Testament. Remember, he, he uses an example from Daniel. as the, He talks about the Son of Man. Something Nicodemus should have been familiar with. He talks about being born again. And he talks about, he uses that example of what you need to do. And he uses that example from Numbers, where the serpent is lifted up. And so, and, 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 the, and the people had to look to the serpent in the same way we have to believe in Christ. He used these things with Nicodemus. He needed Nicodemus to realize he needed to be born again. He needed to realize that his morality, his religion, his intelligence was not the thing that was going to get him into the kingdom of God. That he himself personally was not good enough. He needed to understand that God had to work in his heart and life. He needed to be born again. That's the way Jesus communicated the gospel to this Jewish Pharisee, this religious scholar. Today, we're going to look at a very different encounter, yet with some similarities. In chapter 3, we had Jesus and Nicodemus, and in chapter 4, we have Jesus with a woman at a well. And the contrast between these two people and these encounters are Humongous, if that's a word. They come from different worlds. Nicodemus was a man who in his world, to all outward appearances, had it all. If anybody on their own merits could make it to heaven, it was Nicodemus. He was admired by almost everyone, yet he needed to be born again. The woman at the well was in many ways Nicodemus' opposite. I like the way James Montgomery Boyce in his commentary on this passage puts it. He says, It's difficult to imagine a greater contrast between two persons than the contrast between the important and sophisticated Nicodemus, this ruler of the Jews, and the simple Samaritan woman. He was a Jew, she a Samaritan. He was a Pharisee. She belonged to no religious party. He was a politician. She had no status whatever. He was a scholar. She was uneducated. He was highly moral. She was immoral. He, was, he had a name. She's nameless. He was a man. She was a woman. He, he came at night to protect his reputation. She, who had no reputation, came at noon. Nicodemus came seeking. The woman was sought by Jesus. What an what a amazing, vast contrast. Yet the point of the stories, the point of these encounters, is both the man and the woman needed the gospel. Their hearts had the same need. If Nicodemus' example of the truth, of the truth that no one can, can earn heaven, no one can rise high enough to be above their need for Christ, the woman is example of the truth that no one can sink so low that they're unable to receive the gospel. And John, in his wisdom, places these two people side by side in his gospel to show, I think, to everyone the glory and the beauty of the gospel that anyone, anyone, regardless of gender and race and education and wealth and social position or culture, may be saved through faith in Jesus Christ. We see this clearly in John chapter 4. In this chapter which we're going to spend a couple, a couple weeks in. Jesus models for us how we're to engage our world. 
Not the world of the religious, moral, intellectual Nicodemus, but the world of this Samaritan woman. We see Jesus approach as he engages this ordinary woman. We see his attitude to sinful people who need the gospel. We see the logic he uses to present the grace of God. Jesus' encounter with the Samaritan woman is actually, it's a treasure trove of information and motivation as we seek to engage the world. This is Jesus. We're in Jesus school today on how to, how to reach out. So what do we learn from Jesus as he engages this woman at the well? I'd like to point out four things. Maybe other things that you see, great. I'm going to just point out four. And all of these, I think, have direct application to us as we seek to engage our world. The first thing that I want to make clear, that I think the text makes clear, is that Jesus cared for people. Jesus truly loved people. Chapter 4 begins with Jesus' disciples baptizing new followers. They're in, they're in Judea. That's in the south. And then verse 3 says, He left Judea and departed again to Galilee. Galilee's in the north. We have a, a map. You guys see that? I can't. Excuse me, the glass is on to see. So we have Jesus is in the Judea area, and he's going up to Galilee. And in the middle, in between, is this place called Samaria. And in verse 4, John writes these simple yet profound words. And he, Jesus, had to pass through Samaria. Now what makes these, this statement profound is the way it's not true. Geographically speaking, Jesus did not have to pass through Samaria. There were three routes. Three routes from Judea to Galilee. One along the coast, kind of skirting around Samaria. One crossing the Jordan and going up through the Decapolis around Samaria. And then the third, which would be through Samaria. The Jewish historian Josephus tells us about this route through Samaria. He says, the Jews did not go that route due to the antipathy, the hatred between the Jews and the Samaritans. However, John writes, Jesus had to pass through Samaria. It was necessary for him. Why was it necessary? Because of Jesus' love, his care for people. Specifically, his care and desire to save this woman at the well. And through her, as we'll see in subsequent weeks, an entire village, or many in a village. Jesus' care for this woman and his care for this village caused him to go through Samaria. And it didn't stop there. When he arrived in the town of Sychar in Samaria, John tells us Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. Picture that. Jesus, you know, Jesus is wearied. He's wearied. He's tired from his journey. Thirsty. Probably hungry. The disciples would go off to food in a little bit. We'll see that. But he cared enough that he still engaged this woman at the well. He's at a, a low point physically. And this should serve as a, a lesson to us. Jesus is modeling something here. If we care for, if we love people, if we care for their salvation, we will press through our weariness to engage them with the gospel. We'll pray for them even when our eyelids are, are heavy and growing weary. We'll serve them even when our own days are filled with activity. 
And we'll witness to them, even though our our flesh is yearning for our own personal comforts and pleasures. This is what Jesus did. Jesus, who was fully 100% God, was also fully 100% man. As a man, Jesus grew tired and hungry and thirsty. He needed rest. He needed water. But he didn't let those limitations, he didn't let his, his tiredness, he didn't let his humanity stop him from engaging his world. So when you're weary, when you put in that full day's work, when you're looking forward to nothing more than going home, maybe watching a little TV and hitting the sack, and then you get that call. That call from a, a friend in need or a neighbor who, who wants to talk to you about something, a family member who's struggling with some issue or someone just needs to talk to you about someone. Someone needs you to pray for them. Remember, Jesus knows what that's like. He knows the, the struggle. And Jesus cared for people. He cared enough for people to set aside his weariness to offer the message of salvation. I hate to say it, but I will. For many of us, and I'm pointing at me, we're ineffective in engaging our world simply because we're too lazy and too self-centered. For many of us, the first step, the first step to begin to engage our world is simply to care for people. To care for people as much as we care for ourselves. I think there's a command about that somewhere. To be willing to be weary for them. And if you're willing, I can promise this. When you do press through your weariness, when you do show people loving care, God is faithful. God is faithful to strengthen you and bring you, I believe, great joy, even and especially amidst your weariness. When you press through. I've found this to be true, and, and I believe, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to grab a witness for us here. I believe Audrey Mel Hewish would attest to this truth. For the past several weeks, Audrey, a member of our church, has been in Liberia, if you, if you were unaware. And she posted this on our, our World Changers Facebook page. I thought it says volumes about the fulfillment and joy in pressing through in times of weariness. She writes this. Dear Bridges family, greetings from Liberia. That's in Africa, in case you failed geography. Thank you so much for your prayers, encouragement, and support. God has been faithful in protecting our training team and renewing our strength daily. We trained almost 400 women last week who were very teachable and excited to to take what they learned back to their village churches. It was very encouraging to watch them start to strategize how to reach their village with the gospel even before the training officially ended. Exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. Today we had 200 women evangelists and pastors' wives come to training. They too were very teachable. Please continue to pray that we will continue to be dependent on the Holy Spirit for everything. I'm doing well. My glucose levels have been good. Praise the Lord. Exclamation point exclamation point, exclamation point. Do you think Audrey has got weary in the midst of this work in Liberia? Certainly. But she clearly cared for the women she was ministering to. She has a passion for, 
for those women, and for those women to be trained to to share their faith. She cared enough to ask God for renewal of her strength. She wasn't asking God, give me rest. Renew my strength that I can press on. And God was faithful. Do you hear the joy in Audrey's post? Do you hear the joy of the one who spent themselves for the gospel? When I was in high school, I played football. And one of the things the coach would say is, leave it on the field. You know, this is your last See, when you're in the playoffs, it. Put everything on the field. And I think that's the approach we need to take to the gospel. Leave it on the field. And guess what? In case you were worried that you had to board a plane to Liberia for this to happen, you don't. You don't have to go to Liberia to care for people. There are people in abundance all around us. You don't have to cross the ocean to experience this kind of joy. But you might have to cross the street. And you do have to care for those God has placed into your world. This is, this is possibly, I believe probably, the most important factor for us in engaging our world. For if we don't truly love, if we don't truly care for people, if we don't care what happens to them eternally, there will always be excuses why we can't share the gospel with them. Always. Because sharing the gospel is difficult. Not easy. It can cause struggles in relationships. Jesus said, I come not to heal, but to break these things. I come to cause strife in many ways. And unless we truly love and care for those who don't know Jesus, then our witness will either be non-existent or very weak, very sporadic. So the question I have for us is this. Do we care for people? Do we love people, including those And in this case, especially those who don't know Christ. Are we willing to sacrifice our time? So precious in this day of constant activity. Are we willing to sacrifice our talents, the thing God has given us? Are we willing to sacrifice our treasures to see people come to know the Lord? If you're like me, then it's not always easy. We tend to default to self-centeredness. So I I have three suggestions that I've found helpful, just really quick. Three things I want to encourage you with. And you're hopefully seeking to, to, to love and care for the people around you. First, remember God's love for you. Remember God's love for you. Remember that Jesus loved you enough to go to the cross for you. And remember that God loved you enough to make sure that you had an opportunity to hear the gospel. Let that inspire and motivate you to love others. God loved you first. Now you can, he's given you the ability to love others. Second, you've struggled, have trouble caring and loving people. Repent, because you're sinning. Repent of disobeying the second most important commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. Confess the sin and ask God for forgiveness. And then, finally, third, pray. Pray that God would change your heart. Only God can work in our hearts that we would love people. Pray that He'd give you a a love for the people around you. We need this so much. This is the solution to most of our problems of engaging our world. If we would just have that love and compassion and care for the people in our world, it'd begin to come natural. It begin to come natural. Pray that you will care for people like Jesus cared for this woman of 
at the well, willing to go this route that Jews didn't go, willing to work through his because we need, because we'll need to engage our world. We'll not engage our world unless we care for people. And if we do care for people, we can't help but engaging them. The care Jesus had for this woman caused him not only to engage her, but to cross barriers that she might hear the gospel. That's our, the second thing Jesus teaches us this morning. Jesus cared enough to cross barriers. Jesus crossed barriers. Listen to verse 7 through 9. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For, this, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. So he's thirsty and he's hungry. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. In this very brief exchange, we can see three, several, maybe more than three barriers that Jesus crossed. The first was an ethnic and a cultural barrier. We need a, a brief history lesson to understand this, okay? In the 8th century B.C., so we're doing a little history here, 8th century B.C., so that's before Christ, so this is before this event, the Assyrian Empire conquered the northern kingdom. Remember, Israel had the northern kingdom, the southern kingdom. The Assyrian Empire conquered the northern kingdom. And what they did when they conquered the kingdom is they took the people there and they deported them. They sent them out of the land. So up in the north where Samaria and Galilee were, they sent the people off. Then they would import people into there, different people. This is their way of control. They brought in peoples to populate the land. And these were Gentile people. They were not Jews, and they worshipped their gods. And they also, one of the practices of many pagan religions and Gentiles or people of that day was to worship the local deities. So they brought their own gods with them, and they would worship the local gods. And in their mind, the local god was the god of the Jews. The local deity was Jehovah, Yahweh. And so they imported and mixed the religions. This was a terrible offense to the Jews. So over the centuries, the hatred between the Samaritans and the the Jews developed. As the Samaritans developed their, their own brand of Judaism. Rabbi Eliezer taught... He that eats the bread of Samaritans is like one that eats the flesh of swine. And we know how Jews feel about swine. Samaritans likened eating with them, likened to swine. So the first barrier Jesus crossed was this ethnic and cultural barrier. He was willing to engage this Samaritan woman. The second barrier he crossed was the gender barrier. The, The Samaritan was a woman. It may not seem that big a deal. It may not seem scandalous for a man to sit by a well with a woman to us, but it was in Jesus' day. Religious Jewish men used to thank God every day that they weren't born a Samaritan. But they also prayed, Blessed art thou, O Lord, who hast not made me a woman. A rabbi would lose his reputation if he spoke publicly to a woman, even his own wife or daughter. Yet Jesus unashamedly crossed this gender barrier. Third, Jesus crossed a social and religious barrier. Jews did not share, well, you can't, remember the quote, eating the bread of a Samaritan is like eating swine. Jews did not, definitely not, share utensils with Samaritans. Doing so risks being unclean. 
This would mean separation from fellowship and and worship of God's people under the temple regulations. Jesus was risking uncleanness, religious defilement. But Jesus deliberately crossed this line. Even the woman was astonished by this. Listen, verse 9, The Samaritan woman said to him, How is that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? She knew the barriers that existed, for Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. The parenthetical there added by John. I hope it's clear that for Jesus to reach this woman, he had to cross barriers. We too have to cross barriers to reach people for Christ. Jesus and this woman were from different worlds. She couldn't enter Jesus' Jewish world. So he came into her world. He brought the gospel to her. He crossed ethnic and cultural and gender and social and religious lines to seek her out. This was love in action. And we as Christ's ambassadors have to do the same. We have to cross barriers to engage our world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And there's still a need to cross ethnic and cultural and gender and social and religious barriers. We have to be willing to reach out to people who are different from us. People that are even very different from us. It's easy enough to love and care for those who are like us. But as followers of Christ, we have to seek His power. And it only comes in His power, let me assure you. We have to seek in the power of the Holy Spirit who indwells us to love those who are very different from us. The enemy has always done a great job in setting up barriers to sharing the gospel. We need to follow the example of our Savior and cross those barriers. I've been so impressed. They they had to leave early. Are they still here? Sorry, put on my glasses, looking for the kings. They're gone. I can talk about them freely. They had to take their daughters that read scripture for us this morning is going on an intervarsity trip uh, to Catalina. So they had to take her. But I've been so impressed with the, the, the King family's willingness to cross barriers in their neighborhood. They, they have a family in their neighborhood. It's a Hispanic family, so there's language barriers. We didn't even talk about that. There's language barriers. There's cultural barriers. Their son Daniel is in prison, so that's a, just a barrier there. And Dan visits him on a regular basis. All, all with the purpose of engaging them, of connecting with them. When we, like Jesus, cross barriers, that's when we can truly connect with people. And that's the third thing Jesus teaches us. Jesus connected with people. Later in the chapter, we're going to find out that this Samaritan woman, if you didn't already know, was living a a sinful life. And we find out that she had all kinds of false beliefs. She did not believe the right stuff. And she was living in sin. But Jesus did not look down on her. He treated her like a person. He stated a simple request to her. He said, give me a drink. Not a big deal, you might think. But that sparked that connection. That sparked a connection. Now Jesus, being Jesus, he might have opened up the encounter with something else. He might have just caused the water to whoosh up out of the well and float into his cup, his golden cup. He could have used his miraculous power. That would have impressed her. That would have got her attention. But Jesus thought, and I think Jesus is wise, he thought that the wiser and more humble 
approach was to actually humble himself and give this woman an opportunity to minister to his need. What a lesson. What a lesson. Many Christians today will separate themselves from the world. Just as the Jews chose to bypass Samaria, we tend to stay in our own Christian subculture. And even when we do interact with worldly people, we certainly don't don't think they have anything to offer us. What, what What could they possibly have? Small wonder that when we try to offer them something, they're not interested. Jesus was not like that. He walked through the world and he treated even this scandalous woman as a person of worth. And even placed himself in her care. He made his need known to her and allowed her to meet his need. And in so doing, he opened that door to that connection. We need to see this. We're human beings. God has made us human beings. And human beings are weak. We have struggles and we have needs. Even us Christians are weak and we have struggles and we have needs. And God can use our human frailty to open the doors to our world. To bring us into contact with the world around us. People we can connect with. In God's sovereignty... He can send anyone to us at any time to hear about Jesus and be saved. Knowing this, we should look, knowing this, we should look at, at every encounter as this divine appointment, appointment. Jesus did. Jesus did that. And the woman at the well was so astonished by Jesus' attempt to connect to her that she gave an immediate opportunity to share the gospel. The Samaritan woman said, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? Question. She's asking Jesus. She's amazed by what Jesus is doing. I know we we might not see it as amazing. Give me a drink. But it's amazing. She's amazed by Jesus' willingness to connect with her, willing to speak to her, willing to say, I'll drink out of your bucket. Why are you, Jesus, she says, so different from every other Jew I've known or every other Jew I've heard about? In the same way, unbelievers in our world should be asking us, what makes us different? They should see in us people who reflect Christ, people who are genuinely willing to share our failures, our needs, willing, who are willing to admit we don't necessarily have it all together. People are willing to step out in faith and, and make this connection. My brother uh, Jim McGuire really encourages and motivates me in this area. I've heard him tell several stories about engaging uh, repair people, plumbers and other people that come to his house. They enter into Jim's house and they're going to get something there. They come to fix something that Jim has probably broken on purpose. I don't know. They come to meet a need that Jim has. But he, he sees it as an opportunity to connect. He sees it as an opportunity to minister to them. So he often asks them, uh, hey, would, could we pray together? You know, before you fix my garbage disposal, how about, if we, how about if we pray? Now that's different. And people notice it. And Jim, Jim, Jim shows he cares and he seeks to connect. And as Jim says, you'd be surprised, or maybe not. Surprised at how often that leads to a spiritual conversation, a conversation about the gospel. Just our willingness to say, hey, can I pray for you? Can we pray together? Because that's where we need to go. It leads to sharing the gospel. Because 
because that's where we need to go. As important as caring for people is, it's a prerequisite, it has to be there. As important as crossing barriers is, we have to do that because not everyone, most everyone is not like us. As important as connecting with people is, we have to do that to gain some trust. We can't leave out the most important step, the final step. Jesus didn't leave it out. And this is the fourth and final thing that Jesus teaches us. After Jesus cared and he crossed the border and he connected, he communicated the gospel. Jesus followed this opportunity up by communicating the good news to this Samaritan woman. Verse 10, after she asked the question, "Ah, why are you doing this? Why are you talking to me? Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God, And who it is that's saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Now there's more to this conversation. We'll look at it next week. We'll we'll look a little bit deeper into the gospel message that Jesus presented. But I just want to make two quick observations on his presentation, what he was doing. First, he used the immediate situation to illustrate spiritual realities. When Jesus fed the 5,000, if you remember, that's when he said, I'm the bread of life. When he took those few loaves, he said, I'm the bread of life. And at a light festival in Jerusalem, that's when he called out, I'm the light of the world. And here at the well, he made the analogy between the thirst of the body and the thirst of the soul. He gives us the picture of himself as as living water. We can use these pictures of Jesus when we're sharing things in the immediate situation. For example, I remember sharing with a young woman the picture of, of God as a loving father as she began to talk about the relationship he, she had, the, the not relationship she had with her father. Look for those opportunities in context to illustrate just how much God cares. Second, Jesus spoke of the gift God offers. He began his, if you knew the gift of God, if you knew the gift of God, this is so important for us to understand. The point of evangelism, the point of sharing our faith, is that people, is that people do not know the gospel. We're sharing the gospel because people don't know the gospel. People don't know the good news. People have no idea that God has something to offer them. It never occurs to them. That God loves and cares for them. That God wants to show grace and mercy to them if only they would ask. Most people, if they believe in God in our culture, look at Him as with some resentment. He's a, an authority figure, a judge to be avoided. He's the one that, that will decide if I've done enough good works, if I've, if I've earned heaven, if I get to get in, he's that, that deciding judge. And we want to avoid those judges. They don't understand these people. That salvation and eternal life are free gifts from God. And guess what? Guess what? God has given us the great joy and the great privilege of telling them. We get to offer them God's free gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. The heart of our our gospel is the good news that God's gift is free. God offers Christ's blood to wash away sins so that you can stand before Him in righteousness in His sight. He offers His Holy Spirit to empower you to then live and overcome sin in your life. He offers you eternal life. He offers Himself pictured 
to the Samaritan woman as living water. These are are free gifts. And these are things we get to offer to the people in our world. What an awesome privilege. What an awesome responsibility we've been given. Now next week, we're going to look, as I said, more at this this living water and the, the following conversation that comes with this woman. But today, we've already seen so much. I pray that each person here, each believer here has been empowered and encouraged and equipped to to better engage the world as we saw, as we learned from Christ the lessons that He shows. And as we begin to to pray that we would be able to model what He's done. Because in John 20-21, Jesus says this. You need to remember this. As the Father has sent me in in the end of this Gospel we've been looking at, He says, as the Father has sent me, even so I'm sending you. Speaking to his disciples, but I think that applies to us. The Father sent Jesus, and then Jesus is sending us. The Father sent his Son into the world, and Jesus sends us, his followers, into our world. Why? To continue the work that he began. We have to learn from him and follow his example. Like Jesus, we have to care for people. We have to care enough to cross barriers. We have to care enough that we'll connect with them. And finally, we to care enough that we can communicate the good news, the gospel to all kinds of people. People like Nicodemus, that religious, moral guy. People like the Samaritan woman who was so full of, of needs. And every other kind of person God brings into our world. Because no matter how different people are, we all share the same need. We all need the the living waters of Jesus Christ. That's the message we're privileged to deliver. So would you join me in in prayer this morning that that this is what we'll be about. We'll be about learning from Jesus and and implementing these things in our lives and, and praying that God would empower us with these abilities to care and to cross barriers to connect with people. Join me in prayer. Father God, that we would be people. We pray. And look to you. Thank you for this amazing example of, of just sharing the gospel, sharing the truth, sharing God's free gift. Or that's what we need to be about. We need to be about caring and loving for people. I pray for every heart here that you would begin transforming us into people who, people who love people, people who care, people who can look at people and see without Christ their eternal destiny is, is not a good thing. That would bring compassion to our hearts. Lord, we would be willing to cross barriers for Christ. That we would be willing to look at people not, not because they're so different from us, but willing to see how the same they are in their need for you. That we'd be willing to connect with them. We'd be willing, Lord, ultimately to share the gospel, to communicate the gospel with them. Help us to be those kind of people in our world. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. Mm-hmm.